Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle. But Ellis fumbled the ball. Two on the shot clock goes up a prayer. Yes! As he was falling to the ground, it's a three! He shot it literally from the hip. Definitely a highlight. Here come the Billikens. Four on two. McCall, Ellis, left corner. We missed now. Bang! From way down under, Cody Ellis. Reddick brings low out away from the best. Stolen away by Cody Ellis. One man to beat to the hole. He's fouled. Layup. Good. Whistle foul. Count the best. Ellis for the reverse. Oh, Through fingertips. What a move. Ellis drops in a bomb. I love seeing Cody Ellis coming out, feeling good. Ellis. Cody Ellis. Ellis, pull up jumper! Cody Ellis, bang! Cody Ellis, can he stand and deliver? Cody Ellis! Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. And we've got a championship winner in the NBL, Cody. We got to five games... We talked quite a bit about how I thought 60,000 people turning up for these five games might have been a good result. We ended up getting to 67 across the five games. Incredible. Record after record was set. Drama after drama unfolded the longer the series went. And ultimately, it went down to the last few minutes of Game 5 where the Sydney Kings took over and and claimed the victory to go back-to-back champions against the New Zealand Breakers. So we'll break all of that down on this week's show, Cody. The refereeing ended up having a significant influence, as you thought it might, so we'll talk about that. We've got the WNBL Grand Final now that is set. Your NBL one season's getting a lot closer. NBL free agency's now a hot talking point. That means we've got plenty to get through. I'm Chris Pike. We're joined by the former Illawarra Hawks and Sydney Kings power forward, Cody Ellis. How do we find you this week, Cody? Yeah, good, mate. Finally got a champion, which is uh, which is good. And look, I think the Kings were, were fairly deserved of that. But uh, what a series. Mm. It, was, uh, it was a great series from top to bottom. And... You know, it deserved to come down to that last few minutes. And uh, look, crowd turnouts were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like you said, 60,000 was what we expected to be a great number and well eclipsed that. So, uh, look, heck of a series and uh, I'm glad it did go to five. Um, uh, absolutely. It deserved to. I think such evenly matched teams as well as it, as it turned out. And that's why it came down to the last couple of minutes. And even with only a minute to go, the break, you know, Barry Brown knocks down a three and mm-hmm. gives the breakers a chance still yeah. and brings it back to a four-point game. So... I don't think you can ask for much more. With a minute to go in the fifth game of the championship series to be a four-point ball game, that's everything you could hope for and more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we kind of predicted that it would go to five, mm. but I didn't think it was going to be this close. Yeah. So, uh, look, I'm very happy it, it uh, ended up that way. Now, of course, Cody, we're here thanks to Hoop7 and perfect time to check them out at hoop7.com.au or head into the Perth City. A little bit cooler to go into the city now as well, so Wonderful. perfect time to head into the store on Murray Street and... Basketball seasons right across the country are starting, so hop in right now if you need anything, especially the shoes. That, yeah. is, that is the home of shoes in, in Australia, surely. Sure is. Sure is. Popped in there the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, got to chat to my guys in there and uh, picked up some some uh, some new shoes. So, uh, yeah, get in there. Is this when Lauren, Lauren finds out that you buy new shoes? Is this the only, only, <laughs> only way? Do you try to hide it from her apart from, no. apart from this? No, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Fairly transparent with that. And uh Depends on the sideways glance I get if I can uh, go ahead. But uh, no, look, those guys are amazing in there and uh, I would highly suggest heading in. Two weeks until your NBA 1 season starts. On that first game of the season, do you pull out a brand new pair of shoes or do you go for a trusty trusty pair? Uh, Usually a trusty pair or or a pair that I've at least trained in for a little bit Mm -hmm. just to to, uh, get accustomed to them. 
All right, let's get to the championship series, Cody. He went to five games like we talked about. 3-2 victory for the Sydney Kings, and let me run through it. So game one at Kudos Bank Arena, and we thought this was a pretty good turnout, 13,145 people, but as it turned out, that was well short of what we would mm. see for the next two games in Sydney. But the Breakers got that first win, 95-87, to 87, had all the momentum. As we talked about last week, Cooks and Walton were injured, and they probably blew it. Ultimately, probably where they lost the series was losing that game yep. two at home at Spark Arena when the Kings managed to sneak it out, 81-74. to 74. That led into, at that time, what was an NBL record crowd of 18,049 at Kudos Bank Arena, and the Kings managed to pull away 91-81 to 81 to take the, the 2-1 lead. I was a little bit surprised that the Breakers were able to respond probably. Mm. I thought the Kings had the chance to wrap it up on Sunday at Spark Arena. And then we, we saw a record New Zealand NBL crowd of 9,728 at Spark Arena. And the Breakers forced it to the Game 5, 80-70, winning that one. And then, gee, the Breakers had their chances in this Game 5. We'll go through it. They were leading by 12 points at, at a point in the second quarter. Early in the fourth quarter, they were still they were still seven points up with mm-hmm. five minutes to go in the, in the game. But the Kings managed to fire up. And it was Angus Glover. I'll get to him shortly. But 77-69 win for the Kings. 18,124 people attended. Biggest ever crowd for an NBL game. 67,475 across the whole series. Most ever for a series in the NBL. Um, boy, what's your, what's your reaction to it all, Cody? Yeah, look, pretty crazy. I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Breakers probably blew it in that game too. Mm. Um, you know, they had all the momentum. You know, they started the game off. Obviously, Zave and Walton... Tried to play, couldn't. Yeah. So both played. I think we went over it. I think Zay played nine minutes, and yeah. Derek Walton played yeah. about four or five. Less, less than five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look, I, I I do think that the Breakers kind of took their foot off the pedal because because mm. those two guys went out. Mm. And they went okay. Look across the board, we're better now. Um, and you know, I think it was um, last podcast we did. We did talk about that, and we said, look, that's going to be. The decider, I think, yeah. and, and the fact that that's going to come back and bite them. And it, and it really did. It really did. I think in game five, they were in the driver's seat for probably 90% of the game. 90% of the game, but they just go through their little scoring droughts they that do. we've been through all year. And, uh, yeah, the ball just seems to stick in people's hand. Yeah. And, uh, look, scoring 69 in a deciding game probably isn't going to get it done. But, I mean, they held a very high-powered scoring <laughs> yes. team in the Kings to 77. and you had have told them that the Kings were only going to score 77 before the game, they probably would have liked their chances. Well, the Kings were averaging over 95 yep. a game during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And uh, 90 was only broken twice between yep. two teams in this series. And look, scoring does become a lot tougher mm-hmm. throughout series because you learn what the opponent does. You've already played them three or four times throughout the season anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're fairly familiar with what they do. So it becomes a lot harder to score. But... I think just those really bad scoring droughts from the breakers just mm. destroyed them throughout the series. Yeah, no, it did. And at the worst possible time in that the last five minutes yeah. of, oh, no. of, of game five. Yeah. Um, I want to start nowhere else but Angus Glover, yeah. Cody. Um, well, he's already an amazing story because he's mm-hmm. come through his three knee reconstructions, became a championship winner last season, and he's been a key player on this team this year. But I think what he did on, on Wednesday night it puts him in legend status forever at the Sydney Kings because he took a knock to the ribs. I don't think we've heard what the damage is, whether it's bruised or broken or, or whatever, but 
clearly he he was even struggling to breathe when he was sitting sitting on the bench. Yeah. I, I didn't think there was any hope of him being able to come back into the game. No. But then all of a sudden, when when they were seven points down with five minutes to go, he was the guy that Chase Buford turned to. He couldn't even stand up straight. No. He was hunched over every second he was out on the court. Um, I can can only imagine the pain he was in and the courage that he showed to do what he did because not only did he come on and play, he took that clutch three from the corner, which was a, a rush shot, and, you know, it hit the backboard mm-hmm. and... That's what happens when you have to take a shot like that yeah. to, at the end of the shot clock. But to grab the offensive rebound, go up and throw down a dunk when he was feeling how he was, and then the next possession down to hit a three-pointer, yeah. he was the reason they went on that 14-0 run to ultimately win the championship. Oh, talk me through what you, what you thought of what he did. Oh, look, very proud of Gus. You know, I um, spent a fair bit of time with him when I was at the Hawks, and, and he was still training with us. Um, and, look, that was... Part of the time when he was going through, I think he had two knee Ricos when I was there in such a short space of time. Um, And he's one of those kids that just never, um, never gave up hope of of being an elite player, right? Um, Always worked his butt off. Um, You know, you you never saw a frown on his face, Mm. you know, even straight after surgeries, knowing what he has to go through to get back. And um, look, last year was awesome. I was very happy. Very happy for him, and you know he played he played a fairly significant role mm-hmm. last year. But I think this year, without him, they don't win it. Mm-hmm. I think across the series, he became absolutely automatic from three, yep. um, and they New Zealand kept helping off him for some reason. <laughs> yes, um, but look, every time every time Gus had it, you just felt safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they looked in control when he was out there, and then look, you're right. I think that last quarter where he was clearly struggling, you know, he uh, he got that dunk, then he hit that three, New Zealand called a timeout, mm-hmm. and you could see him just kind of crawling to the bench <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah, I think my favourite part of that was when the camera zoomed in on him in the timeout, or just as they were sitting down, and he was lent mm. back trying to get some air in, and everyone was over there smacking him on the chest. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no, I'm sure that doesn't feel too good. Um, which, I mean, you do. And, um, look, I'm hoping the extent of whatever he did isn't too bad. But, mm. uh, look, I'm just... He wouldn't be feeling it right now. No, just not at all. Not at all. But, uh, look, just overly proud of, of what he's gone through, how he's come out of it. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm super happy for him. Can you give some sort of indication of how do, how do you do this, something like that? When you're feeling in that much pain, I'm sure if the adrenaline was, was wearing off, mm. if he was in day-to-day life, he probably should have been in hospital. Yeah. How do you how do you do that? How do you go out onto a court and do what he did? The things we do for a ring, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's, it's it's one of those things that at the time you're just like whatever it takes, really whatever it takes. If I can still walk, then I'll, I'll get out there and do something. Mm. You know, I think um, you know there is certainly a select few that are able to push through that kind of pain mm. and and uh, and do that thing. Mm. And uh, it doesn't surprise me in the in the least that Gus is one of those guys. Um, so yeah, look. Legend status. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Before we go to a bit more of a breakdown of the last three games of the series, Cody, um, what's your reaction? Do you think the Kings took the championship off the breakers or ultimately did the breakers blow it? It's it's a tough one because we uh, 100% the breakers blew game two. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. In saying that, the Kings just snatched it from them. Mm. You know, it's it wasn't with how poor the breakers played, which they did in that game, right? The Kings bench came in and were 
so impactful. Quite Noy was unbelievable in that game and yeah. so aggressive. Yeah. Justin Simon, mm-hmm. who I believe should have been MVP of the yeah, series. I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah. Not that Derek Walton wasn't <laughs> yeah. unbelievable throughout the series, but I still think yeah. without Justin Simon, that series is probably over in three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a tough one. It's it it's a little of column A, a little of column B. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Breakers had chances that they didn't grab, um, but Kings really just took the bull by the horns and and ran off with it in uh, in those moments. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, look, uh, I think we eventually got the best team in the league as the champions. Yeah. So um, yeah, tough one though. We talked about coming into the series how we hoped the referees wouldn't be a big influence mm-hmm. on the series. Um, I don't think we got quite got, yeah. that, got, got to that point, Cody. Um, not so much in Game 5. Mm-hmm. I didn't come away from Game 5 feeling like the officiating was a, a massive influence on the game, but I, I did in Games 3 and Game 4. Yep. Um, quite simply, I, I felt like the breakers were, were whistled out of Game, game 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, the moment Jarrell Brantley fouled out with nine minutes to go in the game... That game was over. I mean, it was still close when he fouled out, but yep. once he fouled out, the Breakers lost all hope. And the things that he was being picked up for in Game Three, some of the some of the screens and some of the soft fouls that took him out of that game, all of a sudden he was allowed to get away with in Game Four completely, and yep. he was a, a huge factor in that game and probably the player player of the game. And I feel like still, if the Breakers ended up winning the championship, he's the he's the MVP mm-hmm. because of how impactful he was. But you know, back to game three, Abercrombie wasn't able to get away with anything. No. Um, Rob Lowe was called some, for some soft fouls. Barry Brown ended, ended up in foul trouble, and I felt like they were officiated out of the game. Modi Mayol was pretty calm in responding to that afterwards. His owner, Matt Walsh, wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, he made his feelings clear, and it, it's, it, it set up a fascinating debate where mm. afterwards in game four, once I feel like the tide was completely turned and the Kings were probably officiated out of that game, mm-hmm. The breakers were allowed to get away with all of their strengths. Their their screen setting, their physical play suddenly wasn't being being called, and they were they were allowed to dominate that game four. As a result, Chase Buford afterwards made it clear that he felt like as soon as Matt Walsh spoke up, the the whistles would be changed, and it's hard to argue with him because that's exactly what did happen. Um, what did you make of the whole the whole situation, Cody? Uh, so yeah, look, game three, I think. Um, Sydney definitely get got the good end of the whistle. Foul mm. um, count, I think it was nineteen to twenty six, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is fairly big in in the scheme of things. Um, game four, I think it was, I think it was something like seventeen to twenty one foul count, but mm. the free throw difference was mm. huge. It was almost double, twenty six to fourteen. Yeah. yeah, so it's tough. And look, I think. Especially after game two, it became fairly evident that it was going. It was there was lots of talk about the refs mm-hmm. and how it was going to be refed, right? And that was kind of all the talk. Mm-hmm. It was either that or you know between Matt Walsh and, <laughs> and Paul Smith. But yeah. um, you know, it's tough. It's tough. At end of the day, they both got a game where they got the better end of the whistle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of evened out. Game five. Look. It, it, it started off with New Zealand getting the calls, mm. but that's because they were aggressive. Yeah. They were attacking the rim every single time, mm-hmm. every single time down the court, right? And that's what Sydney do anyway. Mm. So Sydney is super aggressive. I think they were one of the leading free throw shooting teams in, in the come mm. across the season yeah. because they're aggressive. Yeah. You know, they're at the rim every time. 
Um, New Zealand got the whistles when, when they attacked, but they're not as aggressive to the rim as Sydney are usually. Oh. So it's tough. It, it is a tough one. And it's frustrating that a couple of those games were decided by the whistle. Mm. Um, but look, I think across the series, I don't think it was too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's tough when one game you get whistled for certain things and then the next game you get away with all of that and more. I guess that's the question. How does it change so significantly mm. when you've got the same referees yeah. from game to game? And that's probably part of their communication after games as well. You know, they meet after games. Yeah. I'm not sure if they watch video. I think they... You hope so. I, I would hope so, but <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think that's just part of the, the conversation that they have is, look, that's probably a bit soft. That's usually a foul. Why isn't that being called? Mm. All, all that good stuff that you know people don't <laughs> really want mm. to talk about. But it's, um, it's, it's frustrating that it was inconsistent, I think, mm. is a big thing. And as a player, I've said this so many times on this show, you just want consistency. Mm-hmm. You know? If they're going to call everything they did in game three against Brantley, that's fine. They do it for the whole series. Do it for the whole series. Let him adjust. Yep. As a professional hooper, you've got to be able to adjust to referees. It doesn't matter where you play in the world. doesn't matter what league. They're all ref differently, right? Because there's different refs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's frustrating. But look, I think across the board, they did a decent job. Yep. One thing that stood out in game five, Modi Mayor wasted a coach's challenge early oh. in the first quarter. Awful. There was a play in the fourth quarter, a second second play in, in a couple of minutes where Tom Abercrombie was guarding Xavier Cooks. The first one, Abercrombie took the charge mm-hmm. and it went in his favour. There was an almost identical play a couple of minutes later where it looked like Cooks pushed off. It looked yep. like Abercrombie was in good position. Yep. This time it was called as a block on Abercrombie. Boy, if Modi had his coach's challenge for that, it would have fouled out Cooks if it was overturned. Yeah. How much would he be wishing he could have challenged that call? I just don't understand why re- why coaches use that so early. Yeah. He used it on a Brantley foul. Mm. Brantley it would have been his first. Yeah. Look, at the time I was like, look, I guess he's struggled with fouls this series. <laughs> if you can stop him from at least getting his first foul early, then okay. But the one he tried to overturn was just – there was – yeah, it was. It, I don't think it was a very good decision. Sure. And whether that was him looking at it and then just saying, "Yep, I'm going to challenge it," or if it was his video guy, it's the guy sitting. It's the guy sitting on that laptop, it. isn't it? <laughs> That's a lot bad. of pressure on him. It is. It's a lot of pressure, and you got to do it in a split second. Yeah. You got to be able to rewind, watch it, decide if you think it's <laughs> a foul <laughs> or not, and then uh, and then let the coach know. But yeah, look, I, I still don't understand why coaches, especially this season, why they started using them so early. Mm. And they've been really good in this series in there wasn't really a whole lot of coaches' challenges. Mm. But I think that especially in a game five, you've got to save that for late games. Yeah. And you're right. That one against Abercrombie, the one that he got the block, yeah. that was identical. Could have it been overturned? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Because Zave did the exact same thing. I thought so. And the same thing he's he's done all season, yeah. but hasn't been called for. I mean He doesn't always get defended that well either. No. Abercrombie's no. defense was Absolutely perfect, I thought. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. And he slid, got his feet in front of him. Zave dropped his shoulder straight into his chest. Abercrombie went straight backwards. 
pretty sure Zayd made the bucket too. I think it was an at one. Yeah. So that would have been all kinds of momentum swayed back in New Zealand's well, favour. Sc- scores were tied when he, when he made that bu- when yep. that call was made. Yep. Scores were tied. Zayd was on the floor. <laughs> yep. As opposed to, you know, fouling him out. Yep. You know, instead Sydney go up three because I'm pretty sure he yep. made that free throw. Yep. Sydney go up three. Zayd's still out on the floor. And he made a heck of an impact this game. Yep. I yep. think he yep. had a fairly poor series. He was hurt early. I know that. Yeah. I think he's come out and said, I wasn't that hurt, but I was just crap. <laughs> well, it's interesting because Chase Buford said he was nowhere near no, 100%, especially for games three and four. I don't think he was either. And you, you could tell the way he was moving, mm-hmm. right? And he was he had his, his knee and quad fairly heavily strapped for those games and then didn't have a strap for game five. Mm-hmm. I think he probably just a bit of lack of movement with that strapping, mm-hmm. which I can understand. So, mm-hmm. look, I think uh, he was awesome. He was really good, really influential, especially in that fourth when he got inserted again. Yep. He was huge for them and how he's been all year. But, um, yeah, look, that's, uh, that coach's challenge that was done early really came back to bottom. Before we get to the MVP debate, how would you sum up the last five minutes? Because with five minutes to go, the Breakers were leading 66 to 59. Derek Pardner just threw down, thrown down a dunk. And the Breakers had all the momentum in the world. Then we talked about what Angus Glover did. Angus Glover was the spark. But how do you sum up the last five minutes, I guess, for both teams? Uh, yeah, look, I think it was a case of been there, done that, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Sydney came out and knew what it took to win a, a deciding game in a grand final series. Um, New Zealand just kind of... Again, they, they went through their scoring drought. The ball stopped, stopped moving the way it had. Um, it tends to happen when Barry Brown has the ball in his hands a lot more than, mm-hmm. than when Will McDowell-White does. And Barry Brown, I know he's a great scorer, but sometimes he doesn't get anyone else involved. Right, right. And look, I know he's, I mean, he's been unbelievable for them all season and he's, uh, he's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's turned a few of these games on their head just by what he can do with the ball in his hand. But I was interested to see whoever Simon was guarding tended to have the ball in their hands, which yeah. didn't make sense to no. me. You know, Simon started off on, on Will, right? Will started off fairly aggressive, mm. which is fine. Yep. But then the ball went to Brown and he started going off, mm. right? So Simon went to Brown. I was sitting there thinking, why not let Will go to work mm-hmm. now, you know? Go try go away from whoever Simon is guarding. He's an absolutely elite defender, and he proved it in this series and across the season, and even you know the last season he was here. Is it possible Brown just doesn't want to give it up? Yeah, very possibly, very possibly. He knows he's in there for one reason, hmm. right? Is to go get buckets, and he's very good at that. Yeah. Um, but again, like I said, in in series like this, and this was I think the ninth time that these guys had played throughout the season. Hmm. Teams know you. Teams watch video. They know you. Their help is adjusted to how you play, especially when you're a leading scorer for a team. It's a lot tougher, and you're going to get easier scores off someone else penetrating, kicking, or you know, penetrate, kick, kick, drive, that sort of stuff, rather than just trying to go one-on-one. And look, he's an elite one-on-one player. He's, he's one of the best one-on-one players in the league, for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, yeah, again, in, in a series like this, they... They help in more. They dig in more. They know what you're going to do. They know your move set. Um, it, it's a lot harder to get that done. No, absolutely, Cody. All right. 
I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on the debate over the Larry Singstock medalist, but let's take a deep breath and I'll come back to that after the break, Cody, and we've got a lot more to talk about. Sounds good. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. I'm here with Cody Ellis. Um, let's get to the Championship Series MVP, Cody, the Larry Singstock medalist. Uh, I, I felt like coming into Game 5, I couldn't see any reason really unless somebody did something unbelievable that if the Kings won, mm-hmm. Justin Simon would be the MVP. If the Breakers won, I thought Jarrell Brantley, perhaps just ahead of Will McDowell-White, is yeah. probably a toss of the coin and it might have depended on who had the better Game 5. Yep. Um, so by the end of Game 5, I actually was expecting either Justin Simon or Angus Glover's name to be mm. to be read out when I heard the heard the medal announced. It ended up being Derek Walton Jr. Um, I'll go through some of the numbers shortly, but what was your what was your reaction? Yeah, look, I I thought Simon hands down for mine, um, and it's one of those frustrating things that he didn't have the stats that Walton did. Mm. You know, he didn't have the stats that Walton did. He didn't put the points up like Walton did, um, and again. Absolutely not taking anything away from how Walton played when he was out there yes, with the Kings yes. because he was unbelievable. Mm. I mean, he just big shot after big shot constantly. Whenever the Kings needed a bucket, give it to him. He'd, he'd mm. go get you one or he'd make something happen. Mm-hmm. He was awesome and he has been awesome all season and he, he really showed why he's a first-teamer. Mm. Um, but like I mentioned earlier in the show, there's no way the Kings win this without Simon. Mm-hmm. And it's all the little things. And if you're just someone that watches basketball and aren't fully invested in it and don't know the ins and outs of the game, you wouldn't probably notice him too much, mm-hmm. apart from game two where he had those steals. Yes. But the impact he had, like we mentioned, just switching between, you know, um, Brown, who is their leading scorer, and mm-hmm. Will McDowell-White, mm-hmm. who is the engine of that team and yeah. makes them tick. The job he did on those guys throughout the series and just constantly was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it, it really... It's, it, it is really frustrating that it's usually the guy with the best stats that mm-hmm. wins that medal, mm-hmm. not the person that has the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, you know... Again, Walton was awesome. He was unbelievable. Um, it would have been cool to hear Gus's name. It would, <laughs> it would have been pretty cool to hear that. Um, I feel like Walton's numbers over the last three games mm-hmm. are MVP numbers. So 17 points, 6.3 assists, 4 yeah, rebounds, plus absolutely. The, the 21 points, 6 assists in game 5. Mm-hmm. But in the first two games, he was virtually non-existent. Yeah. So 12 points, 2 rebounds, 6 assists across the first two games in, in total. Um it's a five-game series. Yeah. Can somebody be non-existent for two games and be big for three games and still and still win? And that's kind of been my argument is, you know, first game he was thereabouts and then really hurt himself. Second game, didn't play. Played four minutes, yeah. whatever. Didn't play. Yeah. I'm not sure how you can be there for three games and still be the MVP of the series. Mm. So that's why I was I was shocked. But you're right, those last three games, that was hands-down MVP material. Mm. But again, five-game series, went to five. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it is what it is. And that's as frustrated as I was that it went that way, 
I still it, it doesn't surprise me that he won it because yeah. again he was absolutely elite. How unlucky is Justin Simon? I think right now he should be sitting at home with a championship ring, <laughs> with the Damien Martin Trophy, yep. and with the Larry Sengstock Medal. He's only got the championship ring. He is, does. Is, he, is he a bit unlucky? He is, but I think all that matters is that championship ring. Yep. Um, and I, I, I'm sure he would think the same. Um, you know, it, it is really nice to win those those awards and all that. But uh, look, I, I think the fact that they got the chip. Yeah. And he knows he was a massive part of that. Um, I'm sure he'd be uh, sleeping fairly easily still. <laughs> At the same time, how much can you add on to your contract negotiations if you have those awards oh, yeah. compared to if you don't? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And again, it's one of those things that teams know. Mm. GMs know, head coaches know. They they know the body of work that you've put in and, and how important you are to, to a championship team. Um, I, I think... Just being a championship player mm. adds on a fair chunk of change <laughs> yeah, to any yeah, contract. Yeah. So, um, you know, whether you're a starter or, or you know, deeper in the bench, it's still you're still a championship mm. player. Um, so that certainly adds on uh, a bit of change. All right. Let's, let's take a look at the two teams at the, now that their seasons are over. Um, the Sydney Kings, we felt like they were the best team all season. Um, and I think they've proven that by winning the championship. But at the same time, I think even Chase Buford feels like the whole second half of the season, and including during the whole final series, they were never at their best. No. Um, but are you still pretty comfortable that they were the best team this season? Yeah, I think so. I think across the season, they they proved they proved that they were the best team. You're right, second half of the season, they probably weren't as deadly as they were in mm. that first half. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think... You know, injuries here and there and people being out mm. and fever breaks and mm. all that sort of stuff. It, it's hard to keep momentum going. And it, it's hard to keep momentum throughout a whole season. Mm. It's hard to be that dominant for so long. Mm. Um, so, look, I think in in the end it probably helped them a bit, you know, probably made them that bit more hungry and probably made trainings that little bit tougher because mm. they weren't playing as well now mm. and, you know, they've got things to fix up and... Teams had started to scout them properly and and defended them differently and kind of figured out how they could beat them. Um, so yeah, look, I I do think end of the day they were the best team in the league. They immediately now change because they lose Xavier Cooks. So he he's all, he'd already been in Washington, I imagine. So he's already mm-hmm. joined up with the Wizards and he'll be getting ready to make his NBA debut, I guess, relatively soon, Cody. Um, mm-hmm. What does it do for them as they now plan for next season, knowing that they've lost their captain? Yeah, well, honestly, I don't, I don't think he's the only one that they're going to lose. Yep. You know, I think uh, I do have a feeling that it's going to be a different look Sydney team next year. Um, but look, to lose Cooks is is huge. You know, he's their engine. He's he's what makes them tick, and he's the league MVP. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone that loses a league MVP, you know. Uh, has a big off season ahead of them, so uh, yeah. Look, it's it's awesome for Zave. Uh, wish him all the luck in the NBA with Washington, and uh, you know, I, I think that um, yeah, that's a massive uh, hold to fill in in a roster. Do you expect we see him on the court much for the rest of this season at the Wizards, or is it basically just getting him ready for? the next season for them. Well, it's a tough one because this year's guaranteed for him, and next year's not. Mm. So, 
I'm sure we'll see him a bit. Look, I don't think I'm not 100 percent sure what Washington's record is, but I can't see them making a playoff push. Or I think they're on track to be part of the playing. Yeah, the playing games. Yeah, I I probably can't see them making a push through that playoffs too far. Yeah. So I look, I'm I'm hoping that we do get to see him a bit and see how he goes, and I, I do think that uh, an off season for him or in a preseason and all that is going to be unbelievable for him and, and his development. Mm. Um, so it, it's tough going into a team a few weeks out from playoffs, yes. but uh, I'm sure we'll see him out there. Their imports are, are interesting. We saw all three imports depart last season after their championship, and they managed to do a great job by bringing in, in Suarez, obviously Simon and, and Walton. Um, do you think any of the imports are back next season? It's a tough one. Imports are a, are a tough one to pick. Mm. Um, look, I think Simon knows the league. He went away and has come back to the league. Wouldn't surprise me if he stayed. I think he's m- the most likely one, I yep. would have thought. I agree. I think he will He will probably stay. I think Walton will probably get some uh, some big interest from European clubs. Yeah. Um, Suarez, probably the same. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I think Simon is, is probably the one that I could see staying. Um but wouldn't surprise if they tried to bring all three back because mm-hmm. they worked. They were they were all really good for them uh, this this whole season. What about Chase Buford? Does he come back, or no. do you think he gets an offer in the NBA somewhere? Do you think he goes into the NBA system as an assistant coach and and I guess begins that path towards becoming an NBA head coach one day? Yeah, I, I think he I think he's gone. Yep. He doesn't have anything else to prove in the mm-hmm. NBA. Um, you know, I I do feel like if he sticks around anything from here on out, he's just probably more detrimental to... He's just killing time on, yeah. in, in terms of his career. Yep, yep, I think so. And look, he's done everything he can he can do. Mm. He's come in, he's won two championships, got multiple guys to the NBA, uh, got guys multiple league awards, all that sort of stuff. I, I, I reckon he's NBA next year for sure. Yep. Does that mean Kevin Lish is the <laughs> obvious choice? Does Kevin Lish step right into the shoes or do, is it even Fleur McIntyre? Or would you think they would go someone outside of the system? It's a tough one. It is a tough one. I think that uh, both those both those guys could step in very easily, mm. understand the culture, understand what it takes to win, have mm. been through the championships, uh, highly respected from all the players there yeah. already. Yep. Um, one of those two would probably be the obvious choice. Mm. Um, but, you know, with... With the King's reach around the world of basketball, I think uh, they would probably look for a fairly high-profile coach Mm -hmm. straight away. Mm -hmm. They can't pick anyone up fairly quickly. I think they'd probably go with one of those two. New Zealand Breakers, how would they be feeling right now and how should they be feeling right now that it's all settled? Extremely proud and extremely frustrated. Mm. Um, To go from... Winning, I think it was four or something games mm. last year, yeah. to being five minutes away from being the champions mm. is an unbelievable feat and something that not many teams around the world have done. Mm. Um, it's also frustrating, isn't it? Because they didn't quite they were right there. Finish it. They were right there, and I reckon that they're probably sitting there thinking that we blew it, mm. like we mentioned. Yeah. Um, that was probably us that didn't win it rather than Sydney Sydney winning it. Um, but, look, the sense of pride that they 
should have around the team, around the the club, the culture, the the fans, everything. That what they put on the floor this year was unbelievable. Lots of fun to watch. Mm. Um, put New Zealand basketball back on the map in the NBL, um, and just from top to bottom, you know, I think uh, everyone made a massive impact. Um, one of those teams that I feel like everyone was rooting for. I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Sydney getting eighteen and a half thousand on each game. <laughs> yeah. they've, they've got their fair fan base, but it it seemed that most most neutral fans were were going for New Zealand mainly because of what they've been through the past couple of years. And I certainly felt that way because of, you know, everything that they had to go through mm-hmm. for the league to keep running. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was really cool to see. Um, but you're right, I think probably a bit of frustration mm-hmm. sprinkled in there as well um, because they had their chances. I don't know if I've seen such a close relationship between a coach and his players as I've seen. No, never with Modi Mayor and these Breakers players. they I think it goes both ways. I think Modi genuinely loves his players mm-hmm. as people, and I think as a result, his players genuinely love him and appreciate what he's done done for them. Um, Jarrell Brantley interrupting the press conference to, awesome. to tell Modi what he thought of him, I think was almost one of the highlights of the season because yep. the genuine love that came through Jarrell's voice and you could see what it meant to Modi. Tell you what, Cody, why don't we take a listen to that and then I'll get your thoughts. Sounds good. Good night, Um And that was his first step. And then that's a good coach right there, man. Thank that's you. a special coach right there, man. Thank you, JB. If anybody recruit, if he recruits you, he's special, man. That's a special coach. One of a kind. Thank I you. I love you, Mo. Good job, man. I'm sorry. I love you, man. I love, I love you, you too, JB. I love you, JB. When you heard that, Cody, what was your what was your reaction? Oh, it was spine tingling. Mm-hmm. It was uh, no, it was really cool, and especially coming from an import, um, I do feel like that does carry extra weight mm-hmm. because you know those are guys that haven't been in and around the program for all too long, and you know for someone who's you know played in the NBA and been around G League and been on rosters and stuff like that, to come in and you know, have that genuine affection and love for your head coach is awesome. You don't see that too often. And, you know, you hear lots of people talk about Modi and they don't like him because of Mm. how he carries on Mm. on the sideline. Mm. But, you know, in in having conversations with with my guy Rob Lowe, they just love him. He seems like one of those coaches that really goes to bat for you and... I think we saw that. And lots of his ranting and raving is going to bat for his guys. It is. You know? But he's also one of those guys that will hold you accountable oh, yeah. as a player. Yeah. That's what you love as a player as well. Right? You want to be held accountable. If you're not doing the right thing, you should get a rocket. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're doing the right thing, he'll come up and give you a big hug. Yes. You know, we, we've seen it multiple times throughout the season. Um, yeah. Absolute players coach and... Uh, I really hope he's around for, for mm. a, a lot longer, but I don't think he will be. I reckon he's going to get some, he, some serious a, interest yeah. from around the world. I, I think so too, but I think he, he loves being at the breakers, so I think, 
I think he'll at least be there for next season. But Fingers I think crossed. I think you're right. The, the, the sky's probably the limit on yep. his on his future. He's got a great bond with Wilmot Dal White as well. Mm-hmm. He talked about that after the game on Wednesday night about how they've been through a three year journey together. How when they came together, when Modi was the assistant coach, basically Will didn't have a, an offensive game. Mm-hmm. He couldn't hit, couldn't make a shot outside of outside of a layup, as Modi talked about. I think Will would be happy to to agree with mm-hmm. that. He's got to, got himself to a point now where he's a an acceptable outside shooter, and he's got a, a really well well rounded all round game. And I think I think again, he's a guy that potentially does have an NBA future. Yep. Maybe not quite immediately, but he's only twenty four. Yeah, I think we could see him play in the NBA. I think he'll be getting a lot of big offers around the league and but overseas as well for this coming season. Now that he's a free agent, but um, he even took a, a huge step forward in the championship series. But you can see, I think by Modi working with him, it's it's been a big help for him. It really has. And, uh, yeah, look, I, I can see him being in the NBA soon. Yeah. Um, just the way he controls the floor, I think, is it's uh, it's, it's almost giddy-esque, yep. um, but probably with a, a better jump shot right now. Yeah, sure. Um, he, those two have been, obviously, through a, a lot in the past three years. Mm. Um, we saw when Modi took over, one of the first things he said was, I'm giving Will the keys here. Yep. It's his team. Yep. He's running it. He's running the show. And we have all the trust in the world in him. Certainly paid off for him because the the growth that he's had has been really cool, really cool to mm. see. And look, I, I expect him to go to another level again this offseason. Mm. And I, it will happen. I know it will happen because you can, you can you can just see the growth. You can still see that he's that little bit raw and mm. – not as confident in his offensive game sure. yet as what I think he should be. Mm. But that comes from, you know, that sudden burst of, oh, all of a sudden I've got this offensive game. Mm. You know, whereas for that few years, he wasn't really that threat. Um, so that confidence will come. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he, was, he was really good for them this year. Where does he play next season? I have no idea. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's going to be an interesting off-season for him. Do you think he's in the NBL somewhere? Look, I I do think he probably needs one more year mm-hmm. in the NBL. And look, I, I can't see him... If Modi's at New Zealand, mm-hmm. I can't see him not being under him. Yeah. But they're going to have to pay for him. Oh, he'll, <laughs> he'll get some big offers. Yeah. I think Melbourne United will him as the biggest threat and... And I think there's always the lure of him going back to Brisbane as well, and he might be might be able to go back to the Bullets and be their saviour. Yeah. Um. So I think he will have some thinking to do, but I just feel like he's got such a great fit at the Breakers. And yeah. Like you said, if Mo- if Modi's there, then I think that's most likely where he'll stay. Um. Rayon Repair, want to get your thoughts? Yep. Um. Didn't have a good championship series, Not but he had a good had a good season, and the fact that he was able to improve as a player and improve his, improve himself physically while having a broken arm, I think, speaks enormously yep. to both the breakers for the support they gave him, but also mm-hmm. his work ethic and his dedication. Um, he's got a seven foot three wingspan. He plays as a guard. He's six foot seven. Um, he's only eighteen. Yep. You're pretty boyish on what he can do in the NBA. Yeah, he's. I think he's got that perfect kind of NBA mold. Mm. Um, long, athletic. His shot will improve. You know, it wasn't awful by any stretch. Sure. He can certainly knock down uh, knock down some shots. That will that will get better. Mm. Once he figures out how to shoot with those long ass <laughs> yeah, arms, yeah, but uh, he wouldn't have stopped growing, would he? No, I don't think mm. so. Which is which is scary. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
No, look, he's. Uh, I think he's an NBA player for sure, and his impact goes beyond his scoring. Obviously, similar to Justin Simon, he Very impacts the so. game without needing to put the stats on the board. Very much so, and you know, Modi Mayo came out and said he's never had a next star that well, impacts he, winning the way. He said there hasn't been a next star no. that impacts winning like he has. And look, I, I think he's probably right in that he always got thrown on the big assignments. Um, you know, I think that he he was one of those guys that you look at him, you're like, oh, he's he's big and long. He's probably not going to be able to stay in front of these quicker guards. But he did. He was because he's, you know, he's athletic. He's smart. He understands the game already. Um, and I think that's a big advantage he has. And, again, he, he just he knows how to impact the game without really bothering the scoreboard. And that's a, a massive trait. Um for any player, but uh, certainly in the NBA when shots are few and far between mm. for some players. The Breakers got their three imports absolutely perfect this yes, season with Barry Brown Jr., Jarrell Brantley, Derek Pardon. Um, expect them to come back. Again, I think all those guys are probably going to have a lot of money thrown at them. Yep. From A, from other clubs, um, but B, from other leagues around the world. Mm. Um, look, Pardon had... I mean, we'll call a spade a spade an awful series. He, did. he was he was really bad. It's frustrating. I'm sure he was extremely frustrated with it. Um, the only positive was that so did Tim Suarez. Yes. So they kind of cancelled each, each other out. each other out, exactly. And look, there was times in that game five where he could have swung the momentum back their way, but couldn't even catch the ball. Mm. You know, it was, it was really strange to see. Um, look, obviously had some big dunks, and but... That was pretty much because, you know, Will or um, Barry Brown put the ball up basically in the rim for him to just mm. go and, and put it back. But a couple of like rebounds just bubbled out of his hands and he just he couldn't get into the rhythm of the game. Mm. In saying that, he was an absolute monster all season. Mm. He was unbelievable. I I think he was probably probably one of the best best bigs in the league by a, a fair fair margin. Yeah. Mm. Um you know, first first few rounds we were talking about him in MVP conversations. Yeah, right. And, you know, it, it wasn't for his kind of drop-off. I think he could have certainly pushed Zay for that MVP, sure. definitely. Um, Brantley was kind of just a staple for them. Yeah. He was he was tough. He just, he was their go-to guy, you know. And I think the, the power forward position in the league this year was as good as we've ever oh, yeah. seen it yeah. across the board. And he was... One of the best, absolutely. I think he was probably just behind Zave. Yeah, um, probably pretty close to being on a par with Creek. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Barry Brown, absolute bucket. I yeah. think uh, it's a tough one. I think he will, again, attract some attention from elsewhere. Mm. Um, but look, I, I do think it it does come down to if Modi's back. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll probably want those three guys to come back. Um, and it's not often you see all imports come back. No. So, uh, but you're right. Look, they they nailed their imports better than anyone this year. Sure. Um, and we, we saw how impactful that is. Um, obviously, them making a, a final series. Yeah. Let's finish off, Cody. We're talking about your, your guy, Rob Lowe. Yep. College teammate of yours at St. Louis. It was so good to see him. It looked like he was... An unwanted commodity mm-hmm. under Dan Shamir, but all of a sudden, um, Modi Mayor put the confidence back in him, gave him a big role on the team. 
he was their best centre during this championship series yep. because of you know how much Derek Pardon struggled. Um, how happy for him were you to see oh. what he was able to do this whole season? And does he have more left in him? Oh, the amount of times I was yelling at the screen <laughs> and uh, at the screen and you know cheering for him, and obviously the wife was as well. Um, all love in the world for for Rob, um, and to see the impact he had on this series was was really wicked. And uh, look, I think. In the one-on-one situations, I think he guarded Zave better than anyone. Oh, he did? Yeah. He's such a smart basketball player. He's massive. <laughs> he's a big unit. He's a bit lumbering on his yeah, feet. Yeah. But he's he uses his, his smarts and his length to uh, to get it done. And I think he was awesome on Zave. I'd love to see the breakdown of numbers on how Zave shot mm. when Rob was guarding him. Yeah. Um, look, I... It's a tough one. You know, he's got a young family. Um, the last two years really took it out on him um, and his family. And, you know, obviously it's it's a lot easier when you are playing and you have a big role on a team. Um, and I, I, once again, sound like a broken record, but I think it does come down to whether Modi's back. Mm. And because, you know, he's, he's obviously got a role mm. in, in a Modi team. So I hope he's still playing. I still hope he, he plays for a couple more years because I think he's he's proved how impactful he can be in that team. All right, Cody, let's take a deep breath. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show for this week. Perfect. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. And before we wrap up the show for this week, Cody, we've got the NBL Championship now decided, but the WNBL Championship still to be decided for the 2022-23 season. But we are into the, the grand final series. So on our last show, we did a did a bit of a preview of the two semifinal series. They've now now been decided, firstly with the, the South, South Side Flyers ended up getting over the Melbourne Boomers in the three games and then the Townsville Fire beating the Perth Lynx in two games. So just going through some of those results, starting between the the Melbourne Melbourne's series between the Flyers and the Boomers. Game one at the at the State Basketball Centre, the Flyers got the job done there, eighty four to seventy six. Really really strong contributions across the board. Sarah Blixar was a, a big game with eighteen points. Beck Cole seventeen, Kayla Thornton fourteen, Maddie Rocky thirteen, Abby Bishop ten. Um, really strong contributions. Their depth coming. Coming to the fore there, and a bit of an off night for the MVP for the Boomers, Kayla George, with just the nine points on four of 11 shooting. But Tiff Mitchell did come up huge with 36 points on 15 of 21 shooting, Cody, four or five from three point land. So she was massive, but wasn't quite enough in that game one. But that set up the Boomers needing to bounce back in game two to force it to the deciding game three. And Kayla George, the MVP of the WNBL this season, showed. Exactly why, stepping up with a massive game, 28 points, six rebounds, four assists. She was terrific. Her teammate, Christy Wallace, 27 points, seven rebounds, six assists, five steals, incredible all-round performance. And Tiff Mitchell, another 18 points, so 54 points for her over the first two games of this series. Panina Davidson chipping in with 13 points as well as Chris Lucas's team got the job done. And it was it was a tough going for the Flyers. They they hit, 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 the, hit the wall. They had some injury problems, obviously. Without the services of the injured Kayla Thornton, their import, so that left a big hole there. And 
they couldn't quite get the job done to wrap up the series. So that went to a game three to decide who would end up joining the fire in the grand final series, who had already got over the Perth Lynx, which I'll get to get to shortly. But game three, what a thriller we saw, Cody. Um, one point ball game in the deciding game to decide who goes to the grand final. You can't ask for much more between two local rivals. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Flyers just ended up pulling it out 73-72, to 72, victory over the Boomers. Sarah Blixar was, again, 14.7 rebounds. Maddie Rocky, 14.6 assists. Kayla Thornton, back into the lineup. Probably still not 100% healthy, but managed to make a really strong contribution with 12 points, 5 rebounds. Carly Ernst stepped up as well, 10 points, and they managed to just sneak it out, Cody, to get to the grand final despite the 22 points and 13 rebounds from Kayla George. Another 23 points from Tiff Mitchell. So across the series, she had 77 points in three games. Incredible performance, but it wasn't quite enough. So the defending champions were knocked out, the Boomers. Southside flies into the grand final series where they were... Set up to play the Townsville Fire, who managed to take care of their semi-final series in two games against the the Perth Lynx. First game was up in Townsville, eighty-one to sixty-eight victory for the Fire. Steph Reed was terrific with, with twenty-four points, and she got plenty of help. So Shyla Hill had an especially strong fourth quarter with the game there needed to be decided. She I think scored seven of her fourteen points in the last six or seven minutes of that game to to help wrap it up. Carly Samuelson. Continued her really good form, especially against the Lynx, with another 13 points. Tiana Hawkins, 11 points, 5 rebounds. And they were just too strong. Terrific defensive performance as well from Townsville against the, the high-octane Perth Lynx, who love to, love to put up the three-point shots and love to make it a fast-paced, high-scoring game. But they were just completely shut down in that game, especially from beyond the arc. They went 1 of 15, so... The Lynx have been averaging way up around the 30-point, 3-point attempt marks, but only attempted half of that in this game and only made one for the entire game, which went to Mackenzie Clinch-Hoycard. But Sammy Whitcomb, 22 points for the Lynx, 5 assists. Lauren Scherf, another strong all-round performance, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. But Townsville, too strong. They kept their winning streak going, went to a 13-game winning streak to go, to then go 1-0 one, one up in the series. The series went back to Perth for Game 2, last Sunday, and the Lynx couldn't quite force it to a decider. So on their home court, the Perth Lynx weren't quite able to to get over the top of the fire, who just continued their stunning form. 14th straight victory for them. Tiana Hawkins, a massive game, 23 points and eight rebounds. Shyla Heal, another significant impact with 15 points and four assists. Lauren Nicholson, 15 points and seven assists. Michaela Ruoff had a had a good had a terrific battle with Lauren Scherf across his series, but another good game, 14 points, eight, eight rebounds for her. Steph Reed, another eleven points. Carly Samuelson, nine points. The depth, the quality of the Townsville Fire was too much, and they made it 14, 14 straight victories, got to the, the grand final series, and ultimately we've got Townsville, the Townsville Fire and the Southside Flyers, the top two teams from the regular season to Clash in the grand final series. And game one is now already in the books as well. So we're a game into the grand final series from the WNBL on Saturday night. It was up in Townsville at the fire pit. And and again, the Townsville fire just showed their class and quality. Probably a little bit of a tired Southside Flyers that they came up against. But, but ultimately, once again, you just saw how good this Townsville team is. They've now won 15 straight games in a row. They only need to now win one more to make it a, another championship victory for Shannon Seabomb's team, three-time coach of the year, on his, well and truly on his way to another championship now, Cody, as well. And have a look at this. Shiloh Hill, 
their late season arrival, a lot of controversy around it, but she's showing exactly why she was such a big pickup for the fire when they were able to add her to a team that was already playing terrific basketball. 23 points in this game. She shot 9 of 10 from the field. She made all three of her three-point attempts. Just a, a massive impact from, from her. Tiana Hawkins, another 20 points, five rebounds. And again, just their depth. Courtney Woods, 11 points. Lauren Nicholson, nine points. Zatina Ayacuso, nine points, seven rebounds. Steph Reed, nine points. So, I mean, right across the board, Carly Samuelson, seven points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals. Um, just such a strong Townsville team that proved too strong in this game one of the grand final series. Beck Colt, 20 points for the Flyers. Sarah Blixarves, 11 points, six rebounds. But now all the pressure is on the Flyers to hit back in game two, which will be Wednesday night. At the, at the State Basketball Centre in Melbourne. The Flyers need to win this game to force it to a deciding game three, which, if required, would be back in Townsville next Saturday night. If not, it'll be the Townsville Fire, Cody, celebrating a, another WNBL championship on on Wednesday night. Okay, Cody, um, it's been a big show, a lot to get through. It's been a huge NBL season and probably one of the best on record. The numbers certainly back that up. Um, it's been been fun going through the, through the whole process with you. Um, we haven't made our our plans on what we're doing doing going forward. So mm. we won't say that this is our wrap-up show because we, no. we're not sure what we're going to do. Yeah. We've got a lot of NBL1 stuff potentially to, to go through. But let's wrap up this week's show. It's been a big NBL season. What's on your mind as we say goodbye to this NBL season, move into the NBL1 season, go into free agency, got a WNBL championship still to, to be decided. As we wrap up for this week, Cody, what's, what's on your mind? Oh, too many things, mate. Too many things. No, look, I think uh, this NBL season was was a lot of fun um, to to watch and you know be part of in our little way. Um, yeah, it was really cool to see the growth in some teams and and uh, you know to to see a team like Sydney who lost so much last off season to come back and back it up. Um, you know, backing up championships is never easy. It's never easy and especially when you lose a ton of players like they did, a ton of talent, um, to see New Zealand's growth and, and come back into a championship series and put themselves back on the map, I think was unbelievable. Um, but no, look, man, just, just thankful, uh, especially to you, for, for letting me be involved in this and, and to all the listeners for, for listening to us and listening to me dribble on and, and all that sort of stuff throughout the year. And um, yeah, look, lots of fun again. And, Look, I'm sure we'll be back with, with some NBL1 stuff um, in the near future. 